Hello, I'm Derek Walker. I'm the pastor of the Oxford Bible Church. And uh, in this series, we're talking about faith works. We're looking at different ways in which our faith motivates us to good works. And uh, what we're focusing on now is uh, the faith that comes from the revelation that God's given us concerning our eternal rewards. God's promised us that in the future, when he returns for us, he will judge us and reward us for what we have done for him. And if our eyes are on the prize in that way, that will motivate us to a life of good works. Because if we do something for his praise and his reward, rather than man's praise and, and our own benefit, then that will be a good work. And he will reward that. And that motivates us. And there's much teaching of Jesus on this that we saw last week. And this week, we're going to look at the teaching of the apostles on this, especially Paul, and into the book of Revelation. The judgment seat of Christ is imminent. This is what will happen when the rapture happens. We'll stand before the judgment seat of Christ. And this is an everlasting, irreversible judgment that will determine our eternal position and eternal glory. And that's the first thing that will happen after the rapture. We'll stand before that judgment seat of Christ. It's only a judgment seat for Christians. Romans 14 says, we, we, we believers, shall all stand before the judgment seat of Christ. That tells you that every true believer will go up in the rapture. We all then will stand before the judgment seat of Christ. And this word is the word bima for judgment seat, is a high elevated seat used by the emperor as a seat when he would judge. And that included when he would sit at the Olympics, uh, where he would hand out the rewards for the victors, the crowns. And uh, we will all stand before Christ, give an account for how we have lived and responded to different situations, how we have fulfilled God's will or not. There'll be no excuses, there'll be no blaming others on that day, because whatever others do to us, that may be, but we are responsible for our own thoughts and our own actions. And that's what we'll give account for. 1 Corinthians chapter 4 says, It is required in stewards or managers of God's resources that one be found faithful. That's what God's looking for first, is faithfulness. Verse 5 says, Therefore judge nothing, finally, before the time of judgment, until the Lord comes, who will bring to light the hidden things of darkness and reveal the counsels of the hearts, then each man's praise or reward will come from God. So in other words, Jesus, those works will be brought to the light and their, their motive will be brought forth and it will be revealed if they were truly a good work, motivated by faith and love or something that is just going to be burnt up. It's all going to be brought to the light. As Jesus said, there's nothing hidden that ultimately is not going to be brought to the light and seen for what it is. And so make sure your motives are right in wanting to please God and honor God. 2 Corinthians 5, Paul says he lived his life with an awareness that soon he would have to give an account for every deed. We are to live our life motivated by this knowledge of reward, eternal reward. He says, we make it our aim to be well-pleasing to him, for we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ that each one may re receive 
receive reward for the things done in the body, according to what he has done, whether good or bad. Good quality works or bad quality works, dead works, it will be revealed. Knowing therefore the terror of the Lord, we persuade men. He's, even Paul is a bit terrified at the thought of this judgment because the fire of God will sort out the good from the bad. So every work is either good or bad. It's either of love or it's selfish. It either is to glorify God or self. It will either be justified or condemned. And this is to motivate us to a life of good works. 1 Corinthians 3.12 describes this terror of the Lord. He says, if anyone builds on this foundation with gold, silver, precious stones, they're the good ones. Or wood, hay, straw, those are, as it were, the bad ones. Works. They may look good, but they're, gonna, they're not going to pass the test. He says, each one's work will become clear for the day, the day of judgment. will declare it, will reveal it, because it will be revealed by fire. And the fire will test everyone's work of what sort it is. And the fire of God's holiness will flow through your whole life that's revealed before God. And that will burn away all dead works, all inferior works. If anyone's work which he has built on endures, he will receive a reward. But if anyone's work is burned, he will suffer loss, loss of reward. But he himself is saved. He doesn't lose his salvation. He's saved, yet so as through fire. And so this fire will be rigorous. It will search out all our works. And that which is gold, silver, and precious stones will survive the fire. And that will be your reward that you take through into eternity. Praise God. Notice God rewards our works, not our good intentions. This is not a judgment of condemnation on our sin, because our sins have already been judged and forgiven on the cross. It's a judgment not on us, because we are sons of God, but it's a judgment on our works, on our service for the Lord. It's not to determine if we're righteous or not because we've been made righteous by Christ. But it is actually not judging us as sons, but it's judging us as servants of God. It's for rewards. It's not for punishment on sin, it's for rewards. But our sins do affect our rewards because all the time we are in sin, as it were, even if God forgives and cleanses, that is then blank, like blank videotape. There's nothing fruitful come out of that time, and therefore that is not rewarded. And also your sins can destroy rewards because all the good work that you do, you then sin. You can actually, you know, spoil the positive effect of what you've done because you, your sin undoes a lot of the good work that you do. So we need to be aware of our eternal rewards and be motivated by that. And the rewards are described in three ways. As clothing, glorious clothing, we're going to be robed with glory. Thrones, that speaks of authority, and crowns, crowns of gold. These are the different pictures of our rewards. Let's talk about each one in turn. First of all, our clothing. In Revelation 3, verse 4, it says, You have a few names, even in Sardis, who have not defiled their garments, and they shall walk with me in white, in glory, for they are worthy. He who overcomes shall be clothed in white garments. And everyone who's saved 
will be clothed in these garments of glory, white, shining, dazzling glory. But our, our reward will determine how glorious we are. They will determine the degree of glory. We see these glorious clothes again in Revelation 19, verse 6. It says, I heard as it were the voice of a great multitude and the sound of many waters and as the sound of mighty thundering saying, Hallelujah, for the Lord God Almighty reigns. Let us be glad and rejoice and give him glory. And this is actually just before the second coming of Christ because soon after this he returns to the earth. But this is the picture in heaven just before he returns. And there's rejoicing, it says, because the marriage of the Lamb has come, or it's happened. And his wife has made herself ready. So now, he is married. Now at the moment, we're just betrothed to the law. Because the way the wedding customs worked is that the covenant would be made. That's the betrothal. And if we accept Christ, we are betrothed to him. He's paid the price. And we are betrothed to him. And he says he's going away. And the bridegroom would go away and prepare the, the place where they would live. And then he would return after a time, maybe a year. And then he would fetch his bride and carry her up to that place. And that's where they would get married. And in the same way at the rapture, Jesus is coming to fetch his bride. And then we'll be with him forever. And then we will become, as it were, his wife. And now, just before the second coming, we find that they're already married. He's already come in the rapture. He's already taken her to heaven. And they are now husband and wife. And they're going to return to the earth together now in the second coming. So the, the bride has already been raptured by this point. Now it says she's made herself ready. And to her it was granted to be arrayed in fine linen. That's in with the clothes of glory, clean and bright, dazzling with the glory of God. For the fine linen is the righteous acts of the saints. At the moment, we are clothed in all our works. And when she stands before the judgment seat of Christ, that fire will cleanse her from all dead works. And all that will be left is her works of righteousness. And that is her clothing. Your spiritual clothing, your glorious clothing, is actually determined by your works of righteousness now. It says the fine linen is the righteous acts of the saints. And so your good works will become your eternal glorious clothing in that time. Make sure you are well dressed in eternity. And so the bride is married. And then it says, right, blessed are those who are called to the marriage supper of the Lamb. And, and when they will return to the earth and then the marriage supper will take place on the earth. And then we see heaven opened and the white horse and he, the bridegroom, who sat on him was called faithful and true in righteousness. He judges and makes war. His eyes were like a flame of fire and on his head were many crowns and he had a name written that no one knew except himself. His name is called the word of God. He was clothed with a robe dipped in blood and the armies of heaven clothed in fine linen, white and clean, followed him on white horses. So here's Jesus returning from heaven, but who's with him? It's these same people who are clothed in fine linen, white and clean, that's identified earlier as the wife of the Lamb. And so that's, we shall be following Jesus 
on those white horses. Praise God. And uh, that's the bride returning, dressed in this glorious apparel. And so we will rule and reign with him, as it were, as husband and wife. The second type of reward is thrones. Revelation 24, which carries on from the last revelation, it says, I saw thrones. This is after Jesus' return, the next chapter. I saw thrones, authority, you see, and they sat on them. Who are the they that sat on the thrones? Well, if you go back, you go into the last chapter, the they have to be the, the wife of the Lamb that return with him. The church, praise God, of Jesus Christ, the, the wife, hallelujah, sits, is now placed on thrones. We are given thrones reign, to rule and reign with Christ. And then it talks about how those who... Um, who died during the tribulation as martyrs, who didn't worship the beast or the image, or his image. You see, the church will be raptured before the tribulation, but then those in the tribulation that come to Christ and uh, are killed, they will then be resurrected. And it says they will rule and reign with Christ for a thousand years. Also, the Old Testament saints are resurrected at this point, and they are also rewarded in the same way. But the church, you see, are seated on thrones. That's our reward of authority. Now, Revelation 3.21 promises, To him who overcomes I will grant to sit with me on my throne, as I also overcame and sat down with my father on his throne. You see. So part of our promise reward is to sit on the throne. The third type of reward is called crowns. You see, every athlete in those days would, would dream of getting his medal. But in, in those days, they didn't get medals. They got a crown put on their head. The victor's crown was, it was a garland of flowers and, and leaves and ivy, myrtle, uh, roses, placed on the head by the judge. And, and, but they would also be very honored in their hometown. They would never have to pay any more taxes. Um, they'd have the key of their hometown. There were rewards, were substantial. And Paul says, in the same way, we will receive a crown of glory when we stand before the Lord, and the rewards will be far greater because they're eternal, an eternal glory, an eternal honor. Just like those athletes had a temporary crown, we will have an eternal crown of glory. And one day, once we've run our race, we will stand before the Lord Jesus. And he will give us, not you know, gold, silver, or bronze medals, or the equivalent is crowns. Spiritual crowns of glory that will be given to us. 2 Timothy 2 says, if anyone competes in athletics, he is not crowned until he competes according to the rules. And in, in those days, the rules were much stricter not only were they forbidden certain drugs, but for 10 months before the contest, the athlete had to be in a strict training and diet routine. And if he broke the rules of that routine, um, he had to live apart from normal pursuits of life. Um, if he broke these rules, he would be disqualified. And that's why Corinthians 9 talks about, do you not know that in a race, the run all runners run, but only one gets the prize? Run in such a way as to get the prize. Everyone who competes in the games goes into strict training. They do it to get a crown 
that will not last. But we do it to get a crown that will last forever. And self-discipline was essential because it wasn't just about winning. They had to have a discipline. They had to keep to the training. There's a discipline in the Christian life of whether it's going to church, whether it's, it's praying to God, whether, it, whether it's um, reading the word of God. Uh, there, there, are, there are rules, there, there's the principles that God gives us in his word. We don't want to be disqualified by taking shortcuts, you know, to get ahead. Like an athlete takes drugs to get ahead. Sometimes people take shortcuts to get ahead, what they think get ahead, but actually they're, they're disqualifying themselves from future rewards. They, they lose integrity, they, they don't honor their promises because that will save them some money or make, give an advantage to them. And they're thinking they're, they're going further ahead in this life, but actually they're being disqualified. The athlete must work by the rules if he's gonna get that prize. And that's why Paul says, I discipline my body and I bring it into subjection. lest when I've preached to others, I myself should be disqualified. What a tragedy to be disqualified after all that training. You see, to the Greeks, it wasn't just about winning, it was about winning beautifully. That's what it meant when it says, fight the good fight, run a good race. It's not just winning, it's doing it with style. It's doing it correctly. It's doing it according to the, the rules and the precepts with beauty of technique, doing it according to the word of God, doing it as God says, because God sees the heart. And so we might be tempted to bend or break the rules for an easier life. We think nobody's looking, but God's looking. And so we don't want to be disqualified. We need to do it right. Because that's why Jesus said the last will be first and the first will be last. Many youth that we think are successful will lose all their rewards. And many that don't seem to be that successful, but actually they're being faithful, will get the most rewards. And so those who compromise their integrity to get ahead will end up on the bottom disqualified. And so Jesus said this, behold, I'm coming quickly. Hold fast to what you have, that no one take your crown. You see, you can lose your reward and someone can get it instead. But you need to hold fast to what you have, to the Lord, to his word, to your calling. Be faithful to that and then you will get your crown. Praise God. You know, there are five crowns in the Bible. There's number one, the crown of rejoicing. This is also called the soul winner's crown. This is 1 Thessalonians 2. It says, what's our hope or joy or crown of rejoicing? Is it not even you in the presence of our Lord Jesus Christ at his coming? And everyone that you've won for the Lord and everyone that you've helped in the Lord is part of your crown of rejoicing. Praise God part of your eternal reward. Secondly, there's the crown of glory that Peter 5 talks about. When the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the crown of glory that fades not away, it's eternal. And this is promised to those who are faithful in their leadership role, he says. Um, you know, we all have leadership roles, not just elders in churches, but we are given different leadership roles, whether it's in our home, uh, with our children, uh, in our family, in, in the church, in our work. And as we fulfill that, well, that will be a crown of glory to us in our areas of responsibility. Then thirdly is the crown of life. 
by the way, Philippians 4.1 talks about the believers that Paul has reached. He says, you're my joy, you're my crown. The crown of life is promised to those who keep their love for the Lord and stay faithful to the Lord through suffering, through persecution, through temptations and trials. James 1.12, blessed is the man who endures temptation, test and trial, for when he's been approved, he will receive the crown of life. And if you're prepared, as it were, to face death for the Lord, you will receive the crown of life, which the Lord has promised to all those who love him, love him even unto death. Revelation 2.10 says, don't be afraid of the things you're going to have to suffer. Be faithful unto death, and I will give you the crown of life. And then there's the imperishable crown. Those, for those who exercise self-control and discipline in their life and over their flesh. And that we read that in 1 Corinthians 9.24, talking about the athlete who is disciplined, he says. They do it to obtain a perishable crown, but we for an imperishable crown, an incorruptible crown. And finally, there's the crown of righteousness. At the end of his life, Paul said in 2 Timothy 4, I have fought the good fight. I've finished the race. I've kept the faith. I've kept in lane. I've, I've kept on track. Now there is in store for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day when he returns. Not only to me, he says, but all that have longed for his appearing. And he sees himself as a runner, running his race. And he's at the end of his race now. And he says, I will get the crown of righteousness because my eyes have been on the Lord at the end of the race. And he says, I've been looking for his appearing. I've been looking for that day when I'll stand before him and receive my crown. And that's kept me on track. It's kept me running a good race. And I've kept the faith. And he says, all those who've kept their eyes on the prize and have stayed faithful and kept the faith, there is the crown awaiting them also. The crown of righteousness. Because it, those of us who are running that race and wanting to receive the words, well done, thou good and faithful servant. That's what keeps us on track, even when we're pressured to quit. And so Jesus wants to crown us, he says, and give us the glory. You see, we can't handle the glory of God at the moment because these bodies can't handle it. But when we're resurrected and given that resurrection body, then God, then those bodies can handle the glory of God. And God will release the glory, his glory, into our bodies. Praise God. Uh, and this glory will be crown us and surround us and appear as white glorious robes. And we will be given thrones of authority. Praise God. And we see something very interesting in Revelation 4. Um, we see that he is told, a trumpet speaks to the Apostle John, saying, come up here and I'll show you things which must take place after this, after the church age. And he's about to see the events of the coming tribulation. But first, he sees something happen in heaven. And this is heaven, just before the tribulation begins. And he sees some people in heaven. Around the throne were 24 thrones. And on the thrones I saw 24 elders sitting, clothed, in white robes, and they had crowns of gold on their heads. I want you to notice thrones, clothing, and crowns. These elders are men. That's never used for angels. They're men, and they're men that are resurrected and rewarded at the judgment seat of Christ. They're crowned. 
and they have thrones and they have glorious clothing. And we see later in their song in chapter five that he says, God, you are worthy because you've redeemed us by your blood from every tribe and tongue and people and nation and made us kings and priests. These are men that have been redeemed and resurrected. They represent the church as elders represent the larger group. They represent the church. This means the church is resurrected and raptured at this point in heaven. And this is before the seals are opened and the judgments are poured out on the earth in the tribulation. This is an absolute proof of the pre-tribulation rapture that we will, could be raptured any time and then God pours out the final judgments on the earth. It says the 24 elders fall down before him who sits on the throne and worship him who lives forever and ever and they cast their crowns before the throne saying, you are worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power for you created all things and by your will they exist and they are created. Notice their crowns, what are they? They are the glory the glory that God has given them, and now they throw their crowns back at the Lord's feet. In other words, the meaning of glory is that God gives us glory, and that glory is the capacity to glorify God. The more God gives you glory, the more you can glorify him with that glory. And then they sing, worthy to, are you to receive glory. What that means is God has given them that glory as a reward and now they are to glorify God with it and they give that glory back to God. He says, you're worthy to receive the glory you've given me, I now give back to you. The crown you've given me, I cast down at your feet. And so the glory that God gives us is not a selfish thing, it's something that we use then to glorify God and give back to God. Make sure you have lots of crowns. Make sure you have lots of glory to give back to God. The more you glory you receive, the more you can worship him, the more you can glorify him in eternity. Rewards are not selfish. They just are the greater capacity for you to serve God and to love God. And so that shows that Jesus is coming soon and he is gonna bring his rewards with you. He will give everyone according to his works. It could happen any time. In the twinkling of an eye, the rapture will happen. You will rise and you will stand before Jesus. So you better make sure you're ready because he is going to search your life and reward you accordingly. So get with the program and live a life that glorifies God. You're paying for eternal stakes.